It's Bill Smith from the Classic Cam Revival, and it's time for a fresh episode. And to continue on in our series interviewing film photographers in our community, we got a very special guest tonight, Merlin Boissonneau, uh, who um, he's a man who gets around. In fact, some people, I've, I've kind of coined him, he's the Kevin Bacon of film photography because he he touches on a whole ton of communities across North America. So before we get there, let's roll the theme. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. And we're back with me tonight. Uh, is James Lee, Chrissy Wu, and of course our special guest, Merlin. And let's give the floor to Merlin. I know this is like that icky question we gave to your partner in crime, Becca Peterson of the Northern Film Collective. That open-ended, tell us a little bit about yourself. This may sound like a job interview, but you're not being compensated in any way whatsoever. Yeah, no. James, you're supposed to tell him that after, oh, after the interview. Damn, James, shit. James, be on the ball. <laughs> I mean... I've done worse things for free. Yeah, haven't we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. Um, so I'm Merlin, and uh, I'm a, a meat popsicle. Um, I am a, well, I don't really like calling myself a photographer. Um, I, I kind of prefer archivist. So um, I like archiving what's happening around me and the people that are important to me and places that are important or things that are interesting. And the medium that I tend to use the most um, happens to be film. Um, It's not that I hate on digital. Um, Digital definitely has its place. Um, I use it for other practices as well. Um, But um, film tends to resonate most with me and more specifically instant film. Uh, So uh, that's, you know, as you touched on the communities, that is one of uh, the communities that I am uh, uh, hugely part of is the instant film community um, and, and part of the instant film society, which is based out of Denton, Texas. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I've originally from British Columbia, uh, Western Canada. I've been living in the center of the universe now since 2017 and um, extracting myself from its gravity and heading back to the best coast here this weekend. You know what? It's actually quite nice out there right now. And it's funny you should say you were part of the, uh, the Instant Film Society down in Denton, Texas. Uh, uh, we interviewed Brandy a few months ago. And we, she dropped your name and it was like, you know Merlin? To be fair, like everybody knows Merlin. Yeah, I everyone mean. knows Merlin. You can walk into a, like a film photography meetup and anywhere on this planet. It's like, everyone knows Merlin. <laughs> so that is not something that is only unique to the film world but just also in, in general kind of thing so like in my uh you know corporate job and all that i used to travel around western canada and uh, parts of the u.s a lot and uh, it wasn't uncommon for me to be in a completely new city and run into someone that i knew there um so that sort of carried like followed me into the the film world but brandy is one of my most favorite instant film people and uh you know i met her through the instant film society when i went to uh, denton for polacon 3 mm-hmm. um and uh, she 
and uh, Danny, another friend of hers there, they kind of took me under their wing and, uh, you know, it's, it's all right. A little bird will show you around uh, big, scary Texas here. <laughs> and, um, you know, Brandy's been great. Like we've been on a few other adventures outside of um, the, the Policons as well. Like she joined uh, myself and uh, Brian and uh, his partner, uh, Mary, on an adventure in Tulsa. Uh, we went to uh, Tulsa and 2019 for uh jason lee's uh okay exhibit and uh oh, that was, would have been a very interesting to check out i think also brandy's family is from oklahoma if memory yeah says. so she she is from uh, tulsa and so she was a bit of our tour guide in tulsa there which was uh really cool so she showed us around some really cool stuff in tulsa there and um yeah the exhibition was was fantastic like it was definitely worth uh the trek i my my partner at the time lived in uh, Kansas City, Kansas, and so I flew into Kansas and we drove down, taking the old Route 66, uh, oh, down to uh, cool. to Tulsa. It was so cool, and that was like one of the things I had planned before COVID kind of ruined everything was to uh, take some time off and do a, another drive through the Midwest and uh, interview some people and, and capture photographs of them. Um, but the uh, the Jason Lee exhibition was fantastic. Like it was sort of an extension of his work of uh, Texas from mm-hmm. a plain view, and uh, the Philbrook Museum in Tulsa had uh, hired him to do a similar works of Oklahoma. And uh, there was a book. It's coming out, I think, later next year, something like that. It's slated. Uh, but alongside um, his show was uh, Larry Clark's first show in Oklahoma and he's a Tulsa native was kind of driven out of Tulsa from what I understand because um, they did not like his photography which was so raw and surreal um, because he was capturing a lot of like the rampant drug use and and, sort of criminal stuff that was going on in Tulsa uh, I think during like the 60s and 70s and one of the most uh, striking images that I've ever seen is a Larry Clark image. And I saw it in Tulsa there. And, um, you know, it's this, if you, if you Google Larry Clark, it'll probably come up in the images, mm-hmm. but it's this image. It's a beautiful black and white of this, this woman who's pregnant. And, um, you know, she, she doesn't have a, a top on and you just see like the way the light is striking her. It's just amazing. And you're sort of drawn into the beauty of that light that you don't realize that she's shooting heroin. And you see that after, like after you notice the light and the pregnancy bump and all that, you notice the needle hanging out of your her arm. And it's just like, whoa, <laughs> like this yeah. is kind of intense. It's the dark side of the Midwest. And I think that was probably one of the big reason why Larry got chased out of Tulsa because he was showing the dark underbelly, whereas they wanted this sort of Pleasantville. Yeah, but it, like that's the thing that I find interesting because like that's the type of photography that I'm really drawn to is photography that has emotion, mm-hmm. realness, and, and grit behind it, um, and, and has some sort of narrative. Like, there's lots of like good photos out there that are like you know visually beautiful and all that, but just don't give you any feeling. They don't have any substance to them, mm-hmm. um, and and that's where like I really enjoyed Larry Clark's work. And it was also kind of a trip because we went to. Um, the Buck Adam um, monument, which is at an old gas station there. And I, I don't know if you remember the old muffler man uh, things where it's like, yeah, the, the oh, yeah, uh, yeah. statues of the dudes holding a muffler. Well, someone took one of those and converted it to a guy holding like a nuclear bomb. They call it Buck Adam and he's holding like a missile. 
And I think he has a jetpack. I can't remember. But the thing that's surreal was where the Buck Adam is, it's a gift shop. And um, it used to be a gas station. And inside of the gift shop is a picture of when it was a gas station that was taken by Larry Clark that oh, wow. he had given to them uh, to have there, which was uh, kind of a cool thing. So, yeah, like Brandy, she's great. I miss her. I can't wait to see her again and give her a big hug. I I I, I sort of chat. I, I followed her and Laura's podcast, Film Photo Geeks. And... I wanted to inter- bring her onto the classic camera revival. Like, man, the whole idea was pre-pandemic and before Laura got distracted becoming a chocolatier. Yeah. Uh, hey, if we can get the girls up from Texas, lure them with, I guess, to a, to an in-person classic camera revival recording session, I guess, was cider. I think that would have been the perfect, you know, bait. <laughs> and it would be like this sort of like, massive because they they were kind of like almost our counterparts the way they kind of recorded their episodes the topics they sort of covered and just their sort of attitude towards it and it was sort of a shame that you know the podcast is technically on indefinite hiatus like when i call it that as opposed to it's dead in the water because you never know they might come back to life someday so let's not like you know declare it dead just yet (laughs) Sure, that's just like saying maybe Pacville will come back one day. Yeah, well, to the heart right away, man. Just like, <laughs> why? Why would you do that to me? Chrissy is our in-house instant film uh, person. Person guru. We won't. We won't. You use the sort of like expert maven ninja and that. That stuff left for like obnoxious people who handle social media accounts and marketing departments. <laughs> I kind of like Maven. Maven's a, Maven's mm. a good one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, Chrissy and I have talked instant film and that's, uh, you know, I, I had actually met Chris previously before all this through instant film stuff. That's oh, actually, cool. yeah, that's exactly how I met you. Cause uh, our mutual friend, uh, Steph told me that you were having like a, like a gallery 44 instant film, like walkabout. And I was supposed to go to it. But then I got like pinged by the COVID app and I was also feeling sick. So I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be out in public right now. So, yeah, so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, so Gallery 44 had asked me if I'd be interested in doing an instant film workshop um, to just sort of like uh, do an introduction into like instant film and the magic of it and, you know, what it is. Um, and then, um, you know, do a photo walk through Chinatown. And um, actually got some uh, support from Polaroid. Uh, they sent up a few cameras for people to use. Um, and then like, you know, cause I am a um, hoarder of sorts. I also had a lot of my own cameras for people to use. Um, and then at the end of the uh, photo walk, um, I gave everyone a, um, an instant film, uh, like pack film portrait off of my four by five camera. Oh, that's nice. Uh, for the listeners who live outside the greater Toronto region, Gallery 44 is sort of a uh, It's a contemporary it's a contemporary photography collective. Yeah. Um that is it's kind of split brain a little bit because there's the basement with the production uh, workspace where uh, people can run dark rooms and uh, workshops and things like that happen and then there's the upstairs which is um, the art gallery that um, is a, a little bit of a different world, but we are working on bridging those two worlds a, a bit more uh, together. Um, I'm part of the membership and facilities uh, committee at uh, Gallery 44, 
And, um, you know, it's uh, been an interesting uh, group to be part of. Yeah, it's a sh- uh, I live just, for those who don't know, I live out in the suburbs, so it's a little less impractical for me to be a member, but I do have friends who are members of Gallery 44, and for them, and it's extremely valuable, especially for those who live in tiny condos right downtown and they can't have a dark room in their shoebox. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, James's dark room there with much envy and greenness. (laughs) (laughs) I I paid the price for this one, I can tell you that. I, I I broke my thumb and my ankle building it. Well, I'm yes. sure it was absolutely Within 30 days of, of, of each incident, nice. my wife was not impressed. It, it, yeah, it's it's a gorgeous dark room. I've actually printed in it. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be like a monument on the on the, the classic camera revival fan trail. <laughs> <laughs> when if people are allowed to roam again. <laughs> and James will charge admission. <laughs> yeah, sure. One day. So, yeah, when yeah, you're so, when well, you're when you're back in town, Merlin, come on over, man. Knock yourself out. Let's have some fun. Yeah, I'm sure I will be back at some point when it's uh, when it's safe. Um, like it, it was a hard decision to decide to leave because um, I've been very spoiled by Toronto. The, the film gods are uh, very um, you know generous here. Um, you know, there is a very great photo store in Vancouver that I'm excited to support more Bofoto. Uh, Nicole there is great. So if you're in the Vancouver area and you're wondering where to get film, um, you know, definitely uh, go say hi to Nicole there at Bofoto. Um, but sadly, there isn't any great lab. Well, and it's not that there isn't great labs. It's that the labs that are there, the scanning that I've seen friends get from them leaves little to be desired for me um which bums me out because like downtown camera has spoiled me so bad they're Mm. they're so good their scanning is fantastic their prices are great and um yeah it's it's hard to give them up so i guess i'll be doing a bunch of mail order i'll say you could just mail it over just like it's a couple of days across country that's a problem it's i I can't i i always pay extra for like the same day or next day black and white because i'm impatient like that um, and in downtown camera, um, is always, um, yeah, sort of humors me with that. Like, you know, I got to give a shout out to Hannah who like, you know, today, um, I dropped off some black and white for same day. And I was like, you know, I'd really like to see it before I leave. And she, you know, they were like, okay, we can do it. Like, you know, it's not <laughs> supposed to be till Monday. And I'm just like, you guys are the best. Mm, yeah. But uh, downtown camera is one of our, uh, it's like the, one of the camera stores that we recommend people check out when they are passing through the Toronto region, because again, it's like um, they look after the community. And, it, and there's a weird thing because you've um, you kind of helped uh, you, you you volunteered with, with Be- we interviewed Becca Peterson, yep. uh, and with the Northern Film Collective, and I was just sort of wondering how to can you tell us a little bit how you got involved with with that. So, yeah, um, Becca is, um, you know, probably like one, you know, I guess one of my, my best friends now. Uh, we haven't known each other that long. Like I just met her uh, during the uh, during the pandemic. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a very sort of like uh, quick friendship. And, um, you know, uh, we've uh, become like very good creative partners in that sense. And uh you guys talked a little bit about it 
um, is in, in, during her episode, the sort of like male dominance and, um, you know, are we PC on this? Do we have to worry about children? No, not really. <laughs> other, than, okay. other than you're talking to uh, a bunch of children right now, but um, that's fair. I would be offended you know. if that wasn't true, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like, you, know, you, you guys talked about like the shittiness of like, you know, men and the male dominated nature of, of um, this realm. And, um, you know, she had, she had started um, Northern Film Collective and um, was feeling overwhelmed with it and uh we, we were talking about uh things in in the group and um you know she was uh wanting to like you know possibly extend it out to get some help but um i think uh maybe there was like a, a bit of concern there of like that whole like you know white knight like don't worry damsel i'll come rescue you like right. you know all of these uh you know people there and it's like you know what like if you need help i'll help you like I, uh, cause I had had the car accident at that point and was not working. So I was like, I have nothing but free time right now. And I'm kind of, um, losing my mind. So I would love to help you. And, uh, so yeah, that's how I got involved, uh, with the film collective there. And then we brought on Allie, uh, who's out in British Columbia and Allie's mm-hmm. fantastic. And so the three of us have been, uh, curating the, um, the film collective now for the, almost the past year. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Like that whole, the, I guess the, the man's issue out there of uh, guys with camera and things like that. Right. And we, we did have an interesting um, kerfluffle debacle um, drama of sorts with um Pete's film photography and what is his thing called? Uh, Canada film photographers. Something oh, like yeah. film photographers. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, for the boys and girls out there, um, that is a shining example of what not to do as a community um, is to be sort of like a male dominated, um, extremely opinionated to the point of like borderline militant. Right. um and maybe a little bit crazy like you know it, there's just some like really weird shit that went down with him and uh it was very problematic and then he ended up blocking all of us and then a few months later unblocked all of us and started like you know an orgy of likes on all of our stuff and i was just like this dude needs some meds or something like you know this is and it was also kind of interesting too because like every time the collective has done something not long after he will do something almost identical. And um, it was kind of like after we, like Becca brought on co-curators, he kind of did the same thing, but it was like the, the general's thing or the captain's thing. Cause he did that whole like military um, command thing. Facebook page or something. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was just like, None of this is good because this is all exclusionary mm-hmm. and it is all very unwelcoming. And then also like, you have the, um, the cohorts he was bringing on all, like they're, I don't know them personally, but their profile pictures looked um, very uh, uncomfortable. And so it's just like, Oh, cool. So this is a male dominated community with, uh, you know, 
males that look somewhat predatory and um also just the whole stance that like film must be everything and like i do love film don't get me wrong i spend way Mm. more money than i'd like to admit on film but we all do well exactly but like i I think the the biggest point or the, the larger point is as long as people are enjoying photography in whatever way they're doing it, whatever medium they want to do with it, don't shit on their parade. Like, uh-huh. let them create. You know? that's, our, that's our sentiment yeah. here. Uh, we are an analog podcast, very gear and process oriented. But again, it comes yeah. down to it. If you like using pixels. Pixels, lot. yeah. Well, and, and I mean, so pixels, so pixels help. I have an iPhone. I use it. <laughs> well exactly and like you know I, I just recently picked up the the iphone 12 and it blows my freaking mind yeah, the camera. It, it's, it's i am yeah. i am planning on picking up an iphone 12 very soon i've got an old se that's running on fumes and at some point i i need to replace it yeah well i think um, i think your what your your point uh merlin i 100 agree it really resonates with me and i really think that like art is not judgmental it it's no. it's it, at least it shouldn't be and if you're using it uh, if your intentions behind photography or any art is um you know some type of uh of ulterior motive and you're you know you're trying to stalk women or self shamelessly self-promote or, or whatever you're just just in it really for the wrong reasons and and at the end of the day I hope that everybody in, in this group and that in, in any photography, whether or not it's film or digital, are really photographers first. And the medium is is just a you know an adjective of of being a photographer, really. And and whatever you you choose to do, you do, and uh, or whatever you choose to record your uh, your your photography on, it doesn't matter if it's an iPhone. It doesn't matter if it's you know, film from 40 years ago. It doesn't matter if it's fresh stock. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's, uh, if it's instant photography and, you know, anybody that, you know, wants to use whatever platform they have to gatekeep who belongs and more importantly, who they think doesn't belong. is just ridiculous and really has no place in the arts community uh, at all. And, you know, I know that was, you know, if we look at recent history, you know that that's that's a problem but you know at the end of the day it's incumbent and particularly on men because this is a male problem i think you know we have to stand up and and we have to tell other men that you know take this approach that hey that, that's just not acceptable man you know well said to, to your point there like there there is a lot of um sort of like bad male behavior out there in the photography community and like there was this one guy i used to be friends with him and um he worked at a camera store um and if some of his behavior was was a little uncomfortable because it was like borderline almost incelish and uh Mm. he shot with a lot of uh female models and uh would always kind of be like you know Oh, like, you know, I think this girl wants to go on a date on me because like she in, invited me for coffee and it's like, or she just respects your work and like wants to talk to you about something. And, and she's looking just wants to, to line go. up more yeah. work. Like, yeah. And I was like, maybe she just wants to grab a coffee. It's well, like, hey, you want a coffee? Yeah. A conversation yeah. doesn't yeah. mean I want to sleep with you. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Know. Like, a lot of these guys are with you. Like, what the it, hell, it, man? It's like such a 
bad modeling. It's like, my God, really? It's like, no, she's once maybe. Well, and, and the thing that was was like alarming to me was he was training a younger guy. And the younger guy was like, well, what's, what's the big deal? Like, you know, why, why can't you like ask someone that you've shot out on a date? And it's just like, you, you shouldn't like, no, would, oh, hell would, no. Like, not, not while you're working. Like, here's the deal. I, I've never shot new models, not done glamor, but it's like, I treat it as a work situation. If yeah. they're out in nature, I am packing bug spray with me and I'll say, <laughs> here, you want, do you want DEET? Do you want the uh, the other stuff? Because it's like, then it's like, I because I am responsible for their well-being while they're on the job site. Absolutely. That's how, I, that's how I look at it. It's like, you know, it's on me and I'm doing this for fun, not for, fu- for, for fun and for profit or anything like that. So it's like, yeah, yeah she's got to be, yeah, she's got to make it back to her car in one piece and happy camper. Uh, well, and, and I think that's one thing that really, well, it's not think I, it is one thing, the main thing that really bothers me about um, the photography community at large is um, just how much really bad male behavior is out there, not just by oh, amateurs, but also uh, professional uh, male photographers that have just oh. um, sort of canceled women out on it by you know just being like oh well you know he's a big deal so you know I'll put up with this because oh yeah you know they, his they... having his photos of me like could help me kind of thing and um, it, it was one thing that that kept me from wanting to shoot with people um, for um, for a long time because um, I didn't like all the male behavior that was out there and I, I didn't want to be any part of it by like doing similar work. Um, it, it took a model to sort of drag me out of that. Um, so uh, the, uh, the person that did get me to start doing more people photography uh, was, uh, was Raywin uh, who go, goes by Disarraywin on uh, Instagram. And um, yeah, she was the, the first uh, model I worked with, um, and what I've like working with her and I didn't understand it until some of my female photographer friends were, were looking at the photos afterwards. They were like, you can tell that she's in control of what's mm-hmm. happening there. And you've just been invited to be part of that moment and to capture like what mm-hmm. she's creating. And so it's not male gazy or anything like it. It's not just like, pictures of a pretty girl for the sake of pictures of a pretty girl because you can swipe through instagram and see that shit all day long and it's so boring and cringy um and it it was kind of humbling when these other female photographers were telling me that they could see that in these pictures not only with with raywin but like another like i've I've only worked with a, a few models and i've kind of done that on purpose because I don't really want to just shoot with anyone because um, I don't feel comfortable with just shooting with just anyone. Yeah. So like I found a few people that I really like creating with that I feel comfortable with where it's more of like a creative flow between um, the two of us where they kind of have this idea of what they would like to have put on the film and then we just go do it. And um, you know, it's, (laughs) it's been kind of funny like doing it um because like it's it's very different from street photography which is like sure. the main body of my work is like street photography and words i like capturing words a lot so it's like 
it's been a different jump into that realm, but it's been fun. Like um, another uh, great um, photographer who's also a model, but a fantastic photographer is um, Mara. And uh, you know, she's been both, both Raywin and Mara are probably like the, the top two photography collaborators that I have out there. Um, you know, and then, you know, Becca's my other, like, you know, uh, creative uh, cohort there of like for looking for like the urban decay that she loves so much and capturing that kind of stuff. So it's really um, interesting your, um, what your, your, your point there. And, you know, the, the unfortunate part about, and I've, I've been a, a portrait shooter for a long, long time. And one of the things that I, and I used to teach uh, photography, um, and, uh, you know, one I would tell the students is anytime you are shooting another human being, if you're not having a conversation before that camera is in your hand, you have not identified the purpose of, of what you're doing. Um, you have, you're, you're really approaching it only from your vision. You're not looking at it as a collaboration. And essentially, regardless of what gender your subject is, you're you're engaging in an exercise of object objectification, not creating art. Because for a subject and for art to be produced when you're shooting people, I, and this is my opinion, it really needs to come from both the photographer and the subject. And there needs to be a comfort level in between. Mm. Otherwise, what you see are what I call the TNA shots, you know? And like any, yeah. any trained monkey that can push a button can do that. I can go to the beach, get one reflector, put a girl in a bikini, objectify her for 20 minutes and get 3000 likes in about 30 seconds on any social media platform. But, you know, it, the unfortunate part of photography in particular fashion and and and, you know, I, I don't want I say nude photography, but, you know, really that kind of, you know, sort of obtuse nude photography it that really has created. Um, you know, it, it's like flies on shit for these guys, you know, it really is like, you know, because like, they're just Bingo. attracted to this because they, in their, in their normal day-to-day -day life, they can't have a conversation with a woman and pretty much not even another human being for that matter. A lot of the times, because they, you know, there's no, um, there's such a lack of empathy and ability to view something from someone else's standpoint. And it, I'm the photographer. I'm just the guy, you know pushing a button here if the if the person you know if we're if there's no connection there if there's no chemistry if there's no like-minded approach and no vision to what the end product of this shoot is going to be then why why do it you know well and, and that, that is a good point there is like you know I, I used to have that stance where it's like well i just push a button and then i was corrected by several people about that and it's just like fair enough you do sh push the button but it's like you you know when to push that button right. you get that exactly. feeling when it's the right yeah. moment to push that button and i think that's what really sets apart people that actually create emotive beautiful things versus someone that's like here's some tits and ass now give me my likes exactly. um and it's it's been interesting when i have posted that kind of stuff on my instagram feed like the way it explodes and like the creepy shit that happens in the, oh, the yeah. wake of that um like i've had i've had men message me asking for it's like you know i'd like to see more of that model like you know can you share some photos and it's like no 
like even if I did have those photos, like that were like exposed more than what I could share on Instagram, I'm not going to share those with you. And so, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like what I typically do when that comes across is like, you know, some of these women have OnlyFans, so I will send them an OnlyFans link, and then they'll be like, oh, boohoo, I have to pay for it. It's like, yeah, fucker. Like if you want to see this person's art then yeah. pay for it support yeah. this well, exactly person. like yeah. again it comes down if I, and it's the hypothetical if i was shooting well, glamour and, and just, dudes i'd be sitting down with the model saying okay after it's all done like, i will give her everything i i am comfortable sharing to the universe for starters that i feel comfortable sharing because it's like yeah there's gonna be some shots that are out of crap and it's like yeah no we're not going to show those yeah. to the universe they get deleted yeah. forever in a day but it's the ones like I show them saying, okay, which ones? And I'll tell the model saying, look, show me which ones you feel comfortable me sharing on Instagram and wherever you feel comfortable with that. You, you, you've got the, you know, you can sleep at night soundly. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's and, that. And then it's like, if you've got, if you've got another platform like Patreon or OnlyFans, okay, those photos head that way. You do with them whatever the heck with those files, whatever the heck you want. Because I'm holding on to the negatives, of course, and they just sit in a yeah. binder. Sorry, what, what were somewhere. you? What were you saying there, James? Well, you know your point. Like, I mean, you know, for any of these douchebag perverts, you know, aka guys with cameras, you know, <laughs> yeah, for any yeah. of you that don't believe what we are saying that guys need to change this narrative, ask yourself why does this jackass feel comfortable? reaching out to another guy and say, Hey, can you send me all your uh, racy shots of that hot chick that you just took pictures of? Like what, what makes you think that someone else is going to reciprocate, you know, to you and say, Hey, yeah, no problem, man. Hey, look at this. I got this shot up her skirt or, you know, her tits look really good in this one or ass looks hot in this one, you know, cause that's the assumption that is that that is their default assumption when they're reaching out to you and just thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm going to play along here. Yeah, this is a dude. So he gets it, you know. Well, and so that that's the inherent problem there is that these questions are being asked because they've been served before. Exactly. And so, like, yeah, you know, wow. you know, many of these these dudes, I would have no doubt or be surprised at all if like they've hit up other photographers and it's like, yeah, sure. Here, like, here's a Dropbox link, you know, have all the wank material you want. You shit bag. And, and that's where it's like, you know, it, it, the onus is really on, you know, men to be better to challenge other men. And um, in, in all ways, like we have a huge issue with sexism in, in the world today. Uh, Like huge. It's, you know, I, I, had this argument at work recently that's like escalating into something more where someone said sexism doesn't exist anymore um which Ooh, i was big, just like that's a big lie uh yeah it, it's a it's a massive life in so many lie. different ways uh and we, then we you had know, a, we had a long chat with daniel robowski aka girl with too many cameras absolutely yeah and she's been building a, a female or women Women with, with yeah, w- women with women film with film Wednesdays, Wednesday, and, and she's, uh, she's the, also launched the uh, the film sorority. Film yeah. sorority is amazing, yeah. and it's so both, so amazing. Both of them, and again, it's like you know, I, I follow the film sorority because I, I want to see different perspectives. I also want to see fresh work. Yeah, fresh work is like the big one for me. Not yeah. so much like fresh work, but it's just like it's just different because I've been on Instagram since like I don't know, like twenty fifteen ish. And like for the most part, it's like usually like roughly the same thing. And then 
I go on to like another film collective and I go on to like film story and all of a sudden like everything just got like it essentially like exploded by like a hundred percent. It's like, what is going on here? What, like, why have I not seen this stuff before? Mm-hmm. Like even just like, something as simple for like, cause like Polaroid, just like uh, doing the entire, like um, uh, the soaking of it, like the Polaroid, the negative and just seeing like that result and just like, just Oh yeah. The, the emulsion lifts. Emulsion those lift, are, thank those you. are cool. Yeah. But uh, Brian, the guy that I interviewed on, on my photography chat last night, he is like a pro star at, uh, at the emulsion lifts. Like if you want to see some really cool emulsion lifts, uh, check out theory of, uh, Brian on Instagram. Yeah. Nice. He's, uh, he's a fantastic dude. And you know, also my white doppelganger slash brother from another mother. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 lo- I love that man to pieces. Um, but you know, you know, to Chrissy's point there, it, it is, a, a much needed breath of fresh air, like the work that, that Danielle has been doing with the film sorority and Chris B and, and Brandy and, and all of the fantastic uh, female photographers out there that aren't getting enough credit because of these like male dominated, yeah. um, you know, reshare um, you know, groups or like whatever the hell they are to get all those likes. Um, yeah. Like, you know, Danielle is amazing. I, I had her on the show. Um, like a, a month or so back at our yeah. time. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it was just, it was great because um, I don't think she really understood like the movement that she ended up creating by just doing the hashtag because she was just pissed off that it wasn't out there. And, you know, it's, it is boring, like seeing all of the same photos of naked, pretty women, scantily clad women from this like gross male gaze or, all of these gas stations on Cinestill 800T. <laughs> Don't forget about the basketball like, hoops. That's got to be like one of the biggest photographic cliches. Either that or, or, or something shot on Kodak Portra 400. Well, see, I'm probably going to like wind up, people are just probably on Instagram. Like, I'm feeling labeled right now, but it's like. And, and as much as I shit on it, you know, here's a pro pack of Portra 400. Of course. 120. <laughs> And it uh, does, you know, here's it some eight hundred T. There you go. There you go. I mean, like, <laughs> so it's like I, it's sort of like if you're if you've got since still eight hundred T and one twenty, and you're doing long exposure night shot, long long exposure night shots. Okay, yeah, that one beer kind of hit <laughs> close to home there. There's more than just gas stations at night material to play with. But isn't that what art is? Yeah, film, film a foggy night in a gas station. Uh, well, I mean, sometimes it can be really beautiful, and that like you know, I know, truth, truth but be it's, told, yeah. I, I'm super guilty of, of that um, on on the Cinestill. Like, um, but my favorite way to shoot Cinestill right now, and it's probably sacrilegious to some people out there, is I really love running Cinestill 800T 35 mil through the Lamography simple reuse camera. Hmm. Um, it, that sounds that, amazing. I'm sorry. It, it is kind of amazing because it's got this like shitty wide angle plastic lens on it that only really works well during the day. The flash is weak as hell, but the way that it overexposes the Cinestill and just how wide that camera and how quiet it is. Like it is a fantastic street camera because it's extremely quiet. The loudest part is when you're doing the film advance. It's like, <laughs> but when you go to like, you know, push the button to click, it's just like, click, 
that's it. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've run probably like 14 rolls through that simple reuse camera and it never gets old. Like I, I love that one, but the Cinestill has been my favorite that I've run through that camera. And it, I think it's a bit sacrilegious because I think the film is worth more than the camera is. <laughs> You're probably correct. So you're not so, wrong with that. Uh, That's again, filmography yeah. for you, man. Yeah. Like, and, and more power to them. Like, hey, you know what? Well, and, and I think that goes like back to that sort of elitism and exclusionaryism of, that, that some people have around the photography stuff where it's like, oh, if you're not like a liker bro or if you haven't shot it in a hassie, well, it's bullshit. Like, you know, I I don't agree with that at all. Like gear is great. Gear is hand- like, I have a massive gear acquisition problem. Oh, um, you're, you're I've, speaking amongst the, you, you're yeah. with friends here. You're, you're, exactly. You're amongst, you're amongst friends. And if, or, uh, or in the same group therapy session. So, yeah. So if you wind <laughs> up saying the magic word Nikon, everyone will sit here and we'll go on about our Nikon acquisition stories and somewhere out there in the classic camera revival studio audience, There'll be a few people cringing going, oh, shit, they're talking Nikon again. Really? Um, Well, so it's funny that you mentioned uh, Nikon. So what got me into, well, so it's not what got me into uh, photography, but my first very serious piece of hardware uh, photography-wise was a Nikon D70 that I bought as soon as it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, I took out an Instalone on it and got bent over horrendously, but it was worth all the interest. Um, I I have the original lens still. Um, The body started eating memory cards more than it liked taking photos decades ago. Um, And I'm I'm actually gonna be passing that on to Becca. So she doesn't have um, a digital camera right now because she's like very much into the retro film feel. So um, I'm going to be giving her um, my very first Nikon lens with a D200 body so that she has a a digital if she ever needs one there. Oh, good. Um, But yeah, so that that, like Nikon has been um, a staple for me uh, right from the start. But I do love Canon. I I do have to give a shout out. So the very first film camera that I've ever used Mm. um, and the film camera that's captured a great deal of my life is the Canon AE-1, and um, I, I think, have my... Sorry, go ahead. I think everyone has played with it, started with an E. Like, I started on a Canon AE-1, then wound up going to Nikon when I wound up with getting, I think, a Nikon F, then I inherited my dad's Nikon F, bought a Nicker mat, nice. and then it was like, I looked at the Canon, and that was the odd one out, and it's like, okay. Well, so like the the Canon A one, it's a it's a forever camera for me because like it it was my mother's camera and she got it uh, from my dad as an anniversary gift two years before I was born, and uh, then then I kind of snagged it from her. And then when they moved to the Philippines a few years ago, she's like, you know, I want my camera back. And I'm like, well, are you ever going to use it? She's like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to keep it then because I do use it still. Yeah. Um, And when when I did like what got me into photography initially was um i had a i had a nervous breakdown working for shaw cable um yeah this is uh don't give a a young kid a manager position because i was uh do i was managing high-speed internet installs for shaw cable at 19 and uh you know telling like you know middle-aged men what to do is like a not 20 yet 
year old person um, was a little daunting and uh, they didn't take too kindly to me and it, it burnt me out pretty bad. And my doctor made me take some medical leave. And so while I was on this like medical sabbatical kind of thing, um, I was trying to find a way to buy the time and I bought a Canon PowerShot A75 Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. uh, I started, I felt guilty about the money that um, BC Medical was giving me for doing nothing because I was like, it feels super weird getting what felt like free money because I wasn't allowed to work. So I ended up doing this series where um, I would take pictures of homeless people around Kamloops. But the deal was um, if they let me take their picture and they told me a story. I'd buy them a dinner or a lunch or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, because I felt weird about having this like extra money. So I was just like, you know, I can offload this money, give it to other people. And uh, the, yeah, the Canon is where it started. And uh, then the night I, I got into the D70 and that was like, I looked at the Canon digitals, but I didn't like the backwards compatibility that they had. Like what sold me on the Nikon was that you could use all of the F mount lenses, like going back decades and I'm cheap. So you know, that mm. was very attractive to me to be able to buy all this used yeah. glass. And like, you know, that's what's kept me loyal to Nikon is just the access to all of the glass that they have. Um, but I do have to admit Canon makes a much better point and shoot than they ever will. I, mm. I share that sentiment with you as well. Yeah. And I, I shot digital in both systems and um, I, I went from Canon to Nikon as well. I mean, I, I love the quality of, uh, of some of the Nikon, especially in the digital side too, like just the warmer tones and stuff was really, yeah. uh, you know, ideal for portrait work. And those, those, um, those 50 and 85 1.2 L glass uh, L lenses that Canon had in the digital market. So, I mean, like just second to none, but um yeah, I don't know, man. They changed their hole size. Like, you know, it's like, dude, you know, it's two different holes here, man. You know? So. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I, so I took a, a, I got into film photography after moving to Toronto in 2017. And um, at that time, hipsters hadn't ruined um, used camera uh, prices yet. Yeah. So stuff was still kind of cheap in 2017. And I was gobsmacked by how, how cheap it was because like, you know, when I started shooting with the D70, I always wanted an F80, but I was like, I can't like, you know, justify the cost of an F80. And then I found one for like 60 bucks and I was just like, fuck yeah, I've always wanted an F80. And so I had the F80 and I was having all sorts of fun shooting it. And then I saw an F100 and I was like, well, I really wanted an F100 and this, this is too hard to say no to. So I bought the F100. F100s are beautiful cameras. And I remember the yeah. first time we met, it was on a ridiculously cold New Year's Day in the beaches <laughs> with John Meadows. And I was like, I was running with an F2, which was struggling in that weather. You know, yeah. you had the F100. I think John was rocking the Hasselblad. That's right. He did have the Hasselblad. Yeah, I, it, was, it was a fun walk. But granted, my, my photos, you, you had to kind of rescue them in Lightroom because one side was a little darker than the other because the shutter was just, I'm struggling just like... to get across to this cold weather. <laughs> Yeah, the the, the yeah. f100 is is a fantastic piece of hardware but you know i still have one it's my second camera mm-hmm. and i still have the f82 um 
but then like shortly after i was like i'm set the f100 is all the camera i'm ever gonna need and then an f5 came up at like uh-huh. way too good of a oh, price yeah. and that's how, yep. that's how it starts they start you it, off with like one that's like, exactly oh, that's that's, that's kind of nice oh i gotta get the next one well and the get. thing that's like wild with the the f5 is like i always felt like it was unobtainium because like yeah. you know it was just such a pro camera and they were so yeah. expensive back in the day and like it's it's my daily driver now like it's yeah um it's my safety blanket because like um you know photography initially started out for me as a mental health exercise and it still very much is a mental health exercise mm-hmm. for me and uh so it's like my my f5 is like my uh safety blanket like linus like you know yeah. I, I take it everywhere i go for you young folks, that's Charlie Brown and the uh, Peanuts gang that he's referring yeah, well, to. Yeah, I have a friend yeah. in Florida. She's the same way with her cameras. She's got sort of a, I'm going to say, a complicated health history. So she spends a lot of time in doctor's offices. Mm. And she takes a camera with her to kind of set her mind at ease on a trip there and trip back. Yeah. Yeah, we all need our comfort blankets. Exactly. You mentioned photography, uh, Merlin, is kind of a therapy for you. I, I've read, I, I've done a little bit of reading on, on your on your blog and particularly the the words that, uh, words section, and I, I found it really interesting. I always admire people that are able to uh, be so open and honest with their life experiences. And one of the things that, I, that struck me when I was reading that is, <clears throat> Um, you, I don't know if this is true. Uh, so it's more of a question than a statement, but, <laughs> okay. uh, um, uh, like are, you seem to like leave lead a, or at least a big, you know, most recent portion of your life or fairly recent anyway, has been somewhat nomadic, uh, in that, you know, you, 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 you don't seem to stick around in, in, in one place, uh, too long. So you, you seem to like to, to move around as much as, as possible. Is that like, is that part of your sort of process in terms of photography? Like, do you just, you know, are you more of an, like the exploration part of it, I guess, you know, is it, is that something that kind of drives you and how does it sort of translate into your work? Well, um, I mean, the honest truth is childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I mean, I didn't have like a, 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 a terrible childhood by any stretch of the imagina- imagination, but um, we had a fairly nomadic, um, sort of like family life. We, we had a cycle. So it was like every four ish years, um, something would happen and we'd have to pick up and, and move somewhere. So, um, I've I, never really known what home is because, um, we, we just always moved all the time. Like the closest I've ever had to, to home, um, was was Kimberly, British Columbia, because uh, we we did two cycles there. Um, so it's like I was born in Calgary, and uh, my parents uh, didn't want us to grow up in the big city and become like you know gangsters or drug dealers or criminals right. or whatever. So we moved to a smaller town where we just became you know fucking drug dealers and criminals in a small town instead of a big city. Um, so, the big fish, um, yeah, the big yeah, it kind of it kind of backfired a little bit there. Um, but like that sort of, I, I think set the, the stage and the programming where, um, I just got used to never being in one place for a long time. And, you know, frankly, I've always been jealous of people that, um, you know, still have their familial homes. Like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, like I'm, all my stuff from childhood is still in my childhood bedroom. And like, you know, I can go visit it and it's like, you know, a vault and, um, I, I don't have that, um, I never have. Um, 
and it was an interesting thing that my ex-wife had mentioned um, that, you know, in, in the process of our, our separation is um, she had never moved so much in her life mm. until she started dating me. <laughs> and we, we did several moves in like the 10 years that we were together. And uh, I was just like, shit. Um, yeah, this is, this is something from my childhood that, that still kind of persists. Um, so yeah, I've, I've just gotten kind of used to that just being my programming where it's right. just like, you know, it, it seems to be like a four year cycle. Cause yeah, I'm coming up on four years in Toronto here and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving Toronto. Uh, but also like my father, uh, really romanticized, um, like road trips and stuff like that uh, when when I was a kid. And um, that's something that um, was transferred on onto me. Uh, whereas like, you know, as soon as I could get my license um, in, in British Columbia, you could get your learner's permit at 14. And really? um, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so you get your learner's permit at 14 and then um, you can go for your full license at uh, like 15. And so it's like, you know, the day I turned 14, I was just like in there getting it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> when I went to go take the test for my full license, I actually almost killed the trainer and I, um, because there was this, this blind corner in Kimberly, uh, it's called overweighty Hill. So there, there, there used to be an overweighty there. Uh, I think they turned it into condos or some shit now. Um, but overweighty Hill was like this big curvy hill and there was this one intersection that was like right at the bottom of the hill where you couldn't quite see because they had they put a phone pole like right on the corner so you, you couldn't right see around it yeah and i wasn't paying attention and he wasn't paying attention and we almost got smoked by a logging truck um yes. in the intersection and he was just like holy shit and i was just like ah we <laughs> survived you passed well so it wasn't even that like that was halfway through my driving exam um and then we got back and i was just like fuck I, i'm done i failed i'm not gonna get my license and like this sucks and uh we got back to the icbc auto plan office and he's like so kid you want your license today and i was like yeah he's like you know you fucked up back there and I was like, yeah. He's like, I really should fail you, but I'm retiring today. And you're my last <laughs> student that I'm working with. And he's like, I don't want to end with a fail. So you get your license. And I was just like, holy shit, you just won the lottery, man. Oh, man. That's you won a 15-year-old lottery, buddy. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. And so like that, that, you know, has been, I, I've been a yeah. very lucky person for, for a long, like, you know, things like that seem to always happen to me where just get interesting things yeah. and very lucky things have happened. And, you know, the, the driver's license was one of them, but you know, as soon as I got my driver's license, that was just, I was just on the road and I was just driving everywhere. And I still do that now. Like I still drive a ton. I like exploring things. Mm -hmm. um, the only regret I have is um, I wish I got into photography earlier. Um, I had some friends in high school that were like really into photography and like our high school still had a dark room at that time. And like our yearbook was still all done, um, like in dark room and like, you know, all that. And a few of them like tried to be, Hey, come check it out. And like, whatever nerds, like, you know, I just wanted to like get drunk and do drugs. And, um, you know, the, I kind of regret not having, um, photos from like when I was younger, like I did start 
because we, we had a multimedia studies thing that started in like grade 11. And um, that was what really kind of sparked my interest in photography there was um, we got, they had a digital camera that the, the school had. And it was like when digital cameras were super expensive in like the um, late nineties and I would borrow it all the time. And um, yeah, I started just doing my, my very first photo series was um, I called it a study of consumerism. And I would take pictures of the insides of garbage cans. Like I would just put the camera inside the garbage can and just like take a, just blind, not even knowing what's just a blind photo. And uh, yeah, it was just like, I posted all these photos on, um, it was DeviantArt back then. Oh yeah. Where where you could post stuff. Um, I think, I think it still exists too. It's Infineon with a zero for the last O. Um, but yeah, it was like a study in consumerism and I posted them there and I thought I was so clever. Um, I mean, that was pretty clever. I mean, I, uh, I gotta impressed. say, I, I, w- I was pretty impressed, like not bad for high school. That, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty smart in there, man. Okay. I kind of, I kind of wish that like, I did take it more seriously because, um, like one of the, and I, I've talked to like another, like, I, I don't know if you guys have uh, had a chance to interview Big Head Taco or you've talked to Take at all. Um, but, but him and I have talked a lot about, um, how important archiving is for us from like a perspective of memory. Uh, cause like oh, one of the I things that, agree. yeah, like one of the things that I'm most terrified about and like, since the car accident, it's made me even more scared is forgetting things and, and not only like forgetting things, but like leaving something behind, um, when I'm gone. So it's like photography is a, a very, um, big mental health exercise for me. And like one of the things that I struggle with the most on top of uh, the, the depression is um, suicidal ideation. And um, that's something that has been prevalent uh, for most of my life now, like probably three quarters of my life has been uh, spent sort of battling that demon. Mm-hmm. And um, like, especially in the last probably like four years, it's become really important for me to, have something to leave behind um, because I've had the privilege to meet so many amazing people and share some really great experiences that um, when I do um, end up going, you know, be it natural causes or um, losing the battle, um, there's something that um, you know, people can find to, uh, to see these amazing adventures that I've been able to be part of. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, well, number one, thank you for being so open and honest about your journey. That that um, certainly, uh, in my books, deserves the highest amount of respect possible mm-hmm. for someone to share what's really, you know, between their ears um, and uh, and do it in such an open, open way. So kudos to you. And, and just so you know, you've got five people here that if you ever need anything, man, you just reach out. Five people yeah. we care about you. And um <clears throat> You know, I, I was I was thinking as you were as you were talking about your childhood, and and you had mentioned at the start of our conversation that you're you're an archivist, and I was just curious. I wonder if that's perhaps driven by the the moving around and the wanting to preserve um, and freeze in time that like the 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 memories be them you know uh, good, bad, or ugly um, from different parts of your life. Um, it's kind of like brings you back to that sort of 
childhood home that's that, that either never was or or isn't there and i mean if that's the case and you know hey i've just psychoanalyzed you in, uh, <laughs> in about three seconds so i'll be sending you a bill if i'm accurate um, we'll or send, like we'll any other bill. therapist i'll send you a bill anyway I, i'm yeah. sure i'm sure your bill is much cheaper than than my therapist's bills yeah. are um she she's quite expensive but yeah. it, 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 you're not you're not far off so um i i was a latchkey kid um, I spent most of my formative years uh, gaining instruction from the boob tube um, and watching a lot of 80s movies. So um, like, you know, John Cusack movies, um, you know, the great Mel Brooks movies. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, why am I forgetting his name now? Uh, John Hughes movies. Oh, like, yeah. you know, oh, those, yes. those, those all sort of set the the stage of like, how my brain functions i think in movies i think in tv a lot and i I have like a lot of uh desire for nostalgia and um my dad was also very much into um historical stuff so like he was into stamp collecting um he was into like antiques and collectibles and stuff like that and so he had instilled in in you know me and my my siblings um the, the importance of like heritage and history and things like that. And um, I think all of that sort of lends into, um, you know, how, like why I'm driven to um, capture these moments and things. Um, even if it does make like some people uncomfortable when I'm taking those photos, because like I, I have friends that sort of get sick of me taking pictures of them when we're hanging out mm. and we've talked about it. And I'm just like, you know, that these are, how I convey you're important to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I didn't care, I wouldn't be like expending this effort right. to, to capture these moments. And um, I think one of the, one of the big inspirations for me with, with that, um, like that vulnerability of those moments and then capturing those things um, are Ed and Deanna Templeton. Um, so a lot of the photographers that, that, uh, inspire me and that I really enjoy, um, have a similar vein in that, uh, most of them, um, used to be pro skateboarders or were part of like the skateboarding community. Mm. Um, but Ed and Deanna Templeton have shared these like beautiful, intimate moments, um, of each other through their relations. Like they've been together, like for, for ages, and um you know i saw these photos of them together and there was just this like deep intimacy like you you felt like you were in that moment where like you could you you were there like you were the one laying in the bed that pushing that shutter like that was like how powerful these images felt mm-hmm. and um i had always wanted to do that. Like I was always sort of chasing to find that vulnerability and find that intimacy. And um, it was interesting in um, you know Becca's interview uh, where um, you, you guys talked about like you know, vulnerability and stuff like that with her. Um, she's the only person that I've photographed with where the images have scared the shit out of me. Um, because they were just had that, that vulnerability, like deep vulnerability and, and emotion behind them. Um, and yeah, there's, 
there's there's work that i share there's a lot of work that i I shoot so much like you know i have like tens of thousands of negatives honestly because i just have a problem like you know in the before time before covid ruined everything like you know i was dropping off you know five six it's like five to between five and eight rolls but on average like five or six rolls a week to downtown camera Mm -hmm. 36 rolls because i don't like fucking with 24 exposures because that seems like a waste um you're you're you're, you think on my lines because i just look at 24 exposures it's like why yeah i I look at it as like the the only reason i could see like why is if you're doing your own development and you want to test things or something like that but like i'm lazy i hate scanning i don't really like developing very much and they charge the same price for 24 or 36. So why would I literally throw money out? Like every time I shoot a roll of 24, I feel so angry and cheated by it. Like it's Are just. Are you sure you're not Scottish somewhere? <laughs> uh, there, so there, there is some like there. There probably is some Scottish in my bloodline because yeah. um, I'm a I'm a mud of sorts. Um, but yeah, like that's here. <laughs> that, that's true. Um, but yeah, like that that vulnerability is is a. Uh, is something that I sort of seek to find in my photos and, and something that I really like to see in other photos where it's like, I've seen photos that are not technically perfect. And, you know, someone could at a cursory glance be like, Oh, that's like a shitty photo. But like, if you actually look at it, you can be like pulled into it and you can feel that moment and, and what like that person felt and like, that's those are the photos that I love. And then what I really love about instant photography is um and this is like kind of not verbatim stealing it, but kind of stealing it from Jason Lee. Um, but this is what got me into shooting film photography was something that he had said about um a Polaroid photograph being the most genuine and honest image that you could ever create because that image is the only one of that moment that will ever exist. You could take a couple back to back and they're never going to be identical. Whereas like if you, you shoot something on film or you shoot something on digital, you have that negative, you have that file and you can reproduce that image over and over and over and over again. Um, whereas like a Polaroid, like that's it. That's the only one. And, and Brian, yeah. And, and Brian and I were talking about this last night where it's just like, Polaroids are even more magical because it's like you have that one and, you know, as you're carrying it around, as you're storing it, maybe you spill coffee on it, maybe it gets crinkled, you know, maybe something happens to it, but they're almost like a living thing because they sort of like take on this life of their own and, um, you know, they get scars and they get marred like we do. And, um, you know, they're, they're very fragile, um, but also extremely robust like people are. And uh, so there's just this like sort of likeness to people in, in Polaroids that I really enjoy. Um, that, that's kind of cool. Actually, I've just wanted to ask you about uh, what got you motivated in doing the Instagram conversations via the stories. Like, <laughs> and are you planning, are you planning to, again, the archivist, are you planning to archive those conversations and turn them into podcasts? Because so I, actually, I, I already have. So oh, um, all on. of, yeah. So um, photography chat with Merlin is live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon, Audible, Google, whatever. 
it's, the usual suspects. Uh, That's good yeah. to know because again, not everyone can sort of like tune in on a Thursday night, but it's like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm behind on uploading the episode. I think I'm three, three or four episodes behind on uploading. Cause just life has been weird, but um, what, so they got started by accident kind of. Um, so we've all been trapped at home. Yeah. in what seems like years right now because um covid years are a lot longer than regular years i call them the now times yeah um the before, before times. times the now yeah, times the st- and then the after times i just call it the upside down man yeah. yeah uh well i mean i just got my vaccine because i'm old so i'm looking forward to the second dose so we can finally have orgies again but um, <laughs> I, I am still trying to track down my first dose i, want, I got my I first one on, on wednesday too I, man, I'm, st- I'm yeah. an old fart man that thing put me on my ass like I, yeah I, just, and I was laid up all day it was a poor choice to get it right before doing a cross canada move um wow. But I mean, if if you are in Ontario and you're trying to get the vaccine, uh, Rexall is a great option. Go sign up on their wait lists. That's what I did. Um, and I thought that I was getting the vaccine because like the wait list came through. But the pharmacist, uh, uh, this young male pharmacist, made a very strong point that I was getting the vaccine because I am uh, old, which was uh, super kind of him to point that out. <laughs> What a lovely thing like, to say to you. Yeah, because he's like, <laughs> well, you 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 just meet the cutoff for like the new uh, age restriction to protect, uh, you know, our uh, elderly. And I was just like, okay. Fuck you. Outer, <laughs> outer, vo- outer voice says, thank you, sir. Inner voice, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the photography chats, so like they, they happened uh, because I was bored in my house and I was in my house bored and I started doing... Uh, I call it cooking with Merlin. So every time I was cooking dinner, I saw these other people doing lives and I was like, ah, fuck it. Like, you know, I'm bored. I'm by myself. I'll just throw it on. And I would just cook and people would like pop in and ask me questions. And then I discovered you can like add victims onto the live. And so you can like communicate with another person. And um, this photographer, Jason Moore, who I've, followed and we've chatted a bit on instagram but we've never actually met or talked until the first time we were on a live together um we got on there and uh you know we're just kind of bullshitting a bit but because we're both photographers and uh you know the people that follow him and the people that follow me um had questions about photography we ended up just answering a whole bunch of photography questions and someone was like this was great you should do this regularly and um i was like yeah fuck it why not like i mean i'm stuck at home like what else am I going to do and so that's that's how it kind of started I was like I know enough photographers that I could probably ask like one a week to spend an hour with me Uh, because at that time Instagram had a time restriction where it would like just cut you off after an hour Uh, now I think it's like three hours is is the limit Um, most of my lives last like they now last about an hour and a half hour 45 minutes uh, when we do the chats but the whole idea with the chat was um, I have no agenda. I have no plan. Um, I usually, you know, I, I usually know the person. So it's like, yeah, we just have a, a bunch to banter about. Um, and then what I really like about using the Instagram live platform for doing these things is um, we have the live chat that's happening in there. So mm-hmm. it gives people a chance to interact with uh, the photographers and um 
it's been interesting. Like I still have no idea what the hell I'm doing or what the long-term plans with it are. Um, other than as long as people keep agreeing to be on the show with me and as long as people keep watching it, I'm going to keep doing it. So I do it every mm-hmm. Thursday, uh, typically at eight o'clock Eastern, but sometimes depending on guests requirements, I'll do it earlier or later. Um, and what I've been really making more of an effort to do this year is I want to talk to people that aren't specifically doing photography, but maybe doing things that are like photography adjacent. Um, because it's interesting to hear different perspectives of like, you know, what people are using for other stuff. So it's like, I had, um, a guest on who's a, she, she's a fantastic, uh, multimedia artist here in Toronto, uh, named Julian, uh, sorry, Julianne. And, um, her Instagram is foot to face and she makes wicked, beautiful art. Like if I wasn't packed up, you could see it on the walls in my house. Um, but she also does a lot of screen printing and she does stop motion. So I was like, dude, I want you on the show because like you're using a camera for stop motion. So that's interesting. And screen printing has a lot of things that are very similar to like darkroom techniques. So, cause she's like, you want me on your photography show? I'm like, we kind of do photographic stuff. And it would be more interesting to hear about that than having the same question that comes up every week where someone's like, what's your favorite focal length? What's your favorite film stock? <laughs> and you know, it's what's, like, what's your this? What film what's should I film? use? Um, well, what's your favorite Whatever's in your cupboard. <laughs> well, so <laughs> my my favorite focal length is my fifty one point four. My favorite film stock for black and white is Eastman Double X and mm-hmm. Ferrania P thirty. Cool, for both. Yeah, my favorite color. Um, I have to say, portrait because it's like the dirty slut of color well you you can it's the dirty slut of color so like no matter what you do to it it comes out just fine um (laughs) but my uh, on top of portrait being like you know right which i have to also say lamography 400 comes very very close to portrait and i love love what i'm seeing out of i've shot a lot of lamography 400 a few years back yeah still got a pile of it in my fridge and I'm thinking of grabbing more because it's like, I almost like it more than portrait. Cause for some reason portrait 400 and 120, I have no problem scanning portrait okay. 35 millimeter for some odd reason. It just, I can't nail the color down for some weird reason. Whereas Lomography 400, not a problem. Ultra 400, not a problem. Portrait 400. It's like, how can I get, yeah, so I, I don't do my own scanning, so I don't really have that problem. Um, but my main favorite color film stock is um, Egg for Chrome RS 1000. Ooh, I, interesting. I have uh, a decent stash of 120 left in it and a few rolls of 35 millimeter that I picked up from Abraham before the world ended. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Abraham Vinegar. If you have yeah. any weird, funky camera film needs, wants, kinks, desires, um, you know, hit up Abraham. Abraham uh, is the man, man. Yeah. yeah, I miss I miss that dude. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he really is. But yeah, the photo chats have been a really fun experiment. Um, I've had some fantastic guests on it that have really kind of blown my mind. Um, who was willing to say yes, like... Um, I think like my top, 
it's like Danielle was great. I love chatting with Danielle. Um, I think my favorite one was, has been Grant Britton. Um, he's like one of uh, the longest running skateboard photographers in the world and uh, just a fascinating mm. kooky guy. Um, and then I had Grainy Days on um, recently. Um, he's on YouTube by Grainy Days. Uh, his name's Jason Cumberfeld. And um, he is the only YouTuber photographer guy whose videos I can handle because um, I just can't handle a lot of the photo bro stuff that's out there. Cause it's just like the same videos about Cinestill or the contacts or like, you know, these things. And um, he's very self-deprecating and has potty humor that, um, you know, suits, suits my uh, personality a lot. So he was a very fun guest because um, yeah, our humors were, were very similar. And also because he has such a following, that was a bit of a daunting one to follow. Cause like the comment section just exploded with, ridiculous stuff and yeah so it's been interesting because like my primary focus with it isn't about like finding like really popular people or Mm -hmm. things like that i literally just want to talk to anyone that you know has an hour or so to spend um and i yeah it's been fun and then i i did get some legit so this kind of blew my mind and like this is one of those things where like community and connecting to people um most of the time i hate people like i kind of i think like yeah, people are the worst people are the worst and like humans were like the worst thing ever invented but then sometimes things will happen i will meet someone or something will happen and i'll just be like you know what we're not that terrible um and so the logo for photography chat with merlin that was a total random thing so i met this dude moses at the bovine sex club i think in like 2017 when i first moved here so i you know the bovine sex club i used to oh i have a bit i haven't been to bovine in ages i a friend of mine with a rockabilly band used to play there every once in a while yeah i I went to for a concert live concert (laughs) yeah it's the so the bovine sex club for those not in the toronto area is this fantastical dive bar gutter punk dive bar place with like weird doll heads and other accoutrements just dangling from fishing nets on the walls and ceilings and you know um and the front and the front the, the front uh metal yeah yeah like it's like if, if, if you've if you've partied at the bovine sex club then you you're you're good with covid um yeah. 1992 <laughs> baby that's the last time i was there um i think i was there oh, in 2006 shit. Shit, <laughs> and it also it also has one of my favorite places in all of toronto that i miss desperately is their rooftop tiki bar at nighttime is one of the best places to go have a drink in toronto i've never been there yeah, it's and, and it's funny because it's like going through a different world because yeah. like you you walk past the bovines and you hear like some like you know shitty punk band that's just like making everyone's ears bleed yeah. and then you go upstairs. Well, they've sold like, out by going to play at the bovine sex club because <laughs> they left mom's um, basement and it's like oh god we're selling out now we're playing the bovine but then you just go upstairs and you're yeah you're in this tiki lounge which is beautiful but i went to this i I can't even remember what show it was i was probably pretty drunk um but i met this dude who he was with these guys and they had a usb stick and he's like this is the algorithm to google we have the algorithm to google don't tell anyone the authorities will be after 
<laughs> it's just like, okay, whatever, you <laughs> fucking crazy guys. Um, but we followed each other on Instagram, and um, I, I haven't had talked to to Moses much over the years. But every once in a while, like I'll I'll get a message from him where where he'll be like, you know what, man, I love your photos. He lives out in Bob Cajun now, and he was just like, yeah, I was getting drunk with this old guy, and I was just like, you know, we were talking about photography, and I showed this old dude all your photos and like how amazing it was, and I was just like, that's cool, dude. Like, thank you. But out of nowhere, I get this message from Moses where he's like, hey, man, do you think you could use this? And he made those logos for me for photography chat. He just he found a picture on my Instagram. He grabbed it and Photoshopped oh, wow. it all up. Nice. And uh, you know, just cool. and I'm like, dude, do you want anything for it? And he's like, no, just, you know, do you want more? And they're just like, dude, I, I feel bad getting this for free because this is this is really because great. But what you do is you deliver a case of beer to his address. Mm. I drove out to Bob Cajun a couple weeks ago because I had, I didn't want to leave Ontario without going to Bob Cajun at least once because I love that song so much. I was going to say, well, and, you know, tragically hip and all. Come on. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I love that song so much. And it, I just felt remiss at the idea of leaving Ontario without ever going to Bob Cajun and taking some photos there. And it was a very... It was a beautiful day, um, super sunny, took some really great photos, and it was nice catching up with Moses, but um, I had a very just upsetting and disappointing experience that happened on the way to Bob Cajun. Uh, we stopped in the Lindsay, and we were taking pictures of this car wash, and next to the car wash, there was this like cement pad, and it had a restaurant for like a Chinese, or there was a a pole with a sign that it was a sign for a Chinese food restaurant, but there's no Chinese food restaurant anymore. Like it was just a burnt out pad. And I thought it was just, just like the, it just looked interesting seeing that just empty space with this like sign mm-hmm. for what used to be there. And so I was taking some photos and this minivan pulled up and, um, and an Asian lady stepped out of it and she's like, who are you? And I was just like, Oh, I'm just random photographer guy. Like, you know, um, just take like, like this looked cool and like you know this just, i just wanted to take photos and like we ended up talking and um her family has been in the Lindsay area for over 50 years and that restaurant was in that spot for over 30 years and um they've been dealing with a ton of racism wow. um you know that just just recently and they had a tenant next door that they were evicting and um you know, mysteriously, a couple of days before they were supposed to be out of that space, the building burnt down. Yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, just hearing the stories from her of like, you know, that family has been there for over five decades, like serving that community, being part of that community and that community, you know, they were having people spit in their faces and like, you know, threatened to attack them because they're Asian. And it, it was just so like, deeply upsetting to me because like there's you know tens of thousands of canadians out there that believe that racism does not exist in canada and that you know canada is racism this like beautiful is utopia yeah well yeah so yeah. It's, a dirty, like, it's a dirty secret it's not it's a, a very oh. poor dirty secret well yeah so like a, a friend coined it uh maple washing we have yep. fantastic yeah. branding and yep. um you know, like for my experience, like working in the U.S. and, and working in Canada, um, I've experienced more um, issues with racism in Canada than I have in the U.S. 
um, which surprises a lot of people. Um, and usually if it surprises them, I'm like, cool, well, you're probably a little bit racist then. Yeah. <laughs> you might well, the not. The dumbest thing I ever said is I don't see color. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Like, yeah, do you know, yeah. that is one of the most racist things you could ever say to a person of color. You know, you yeah, don't yeah. acknowledge who I am because you don't see color. You refuse to acknowledge my experience, but yet you want me to understand yours. Well, and so I, I do have to say, I appreciate the racial spread that we've got here tonight um, because I feel that, uh, you know, Bill and John are the minority this evening. Um, <laughs> Let's them. Lynch them. <laughs> well, I, I've kind of said to a friend of mine who's years ago was Japanese, and it's just like, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, we're all gajin. Look, man, not, we're, yeah. we're, we're all, all for, we're all foreign devils. You know, it just yeah. comes down to it. It's like Look. doesn't matter. <laughs> we all will bleed inside. I mean, like it's all the same. Yeah. So, like, as soon yeah. as you learn to respect yourself and to love yourself and to understand that life is not a zero sum game. And that if you have, mm -hmm. and, and, and I don't, it doesn't mean you took it from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And, um, I don't know, man, human beings can be extremely shitty, shitty people. That's just the bottom line. And there's some really yeah. good ones out there. Don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of shitty ones too. There, there are for sure. And like, you know, in, in, you know, in Canada, especially, you know, where I think one of our greatest exports is uh, racism and uh, white pride, which is very unfortunate and sad. Um, and going back to like what we were talking about earlier with uh, with with uh, sexism and, uh, you know, shitty male behavior and where, um, you know, men need to step up more. Um, that's something where like all of us need to step up mm -hmm. with with racism and like all of us need to take a, a stand when we see it happen. Um, and and support each other in that one because you know i'm i'm guilty of it um you know before i i knew better like you know years back and you know i, I still have like you know lapses sometimes where like i'll let things slide if i see something it's like oh i don't i don't want to like say anything because it's like i don't want to be involved in it it's like well you know if i'm seeing something and i have the ability to say something i should and we all should okay. and um you know, just acknowledging that, like, what's going on um, around us in, in our city, like, you know, Toronto is in a dismal state right now. Um, you know, John Tory is just awful, like what he's doing to, um, you know, the, the marginalized people in, in the encampments and stuff. And um, just what is being allowed to happen by that is just awful um so you know if, if anyone has the ability to support um you know, things like the encampment support network or anything like that um they absolutely should um because you know we're all in this together uh like I, i've had some instances because like I, I work in tech uh where i was uh touring some people around during a big tech uh summit in vancouver uh years back and uh, it was a bunch of Americans and um, a few of them were like, Hey, where's that place where all the crackheads are? Show us the crackheads. We want to see the crackheads. And I was like, no, like it's not a zoo. These yeah. are people. And like, people not, not only are they people. Like, yeah. yeah. They're people that have feelings, well, but I'm like, also like they're, they're people like you, 
like we're all a couple decisions away or we're all, you know, a couple instances away from exactly like, you know, you look at the Canadian, uh, you, you look at the Canadian households, like we're one of the most overextended countries in the world right now. Many of us are like one paycheck away from being completely destitute. So I was like, no, like, I'm not going to show you those people. Like you need to respect those humans because that could be you. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like the other weird photographic content is sort of almost that poverty porn where no, I, I put my camera away yeah, and just, you know, it's like you're invading their space and it's like, you know what they're it's been done to death. Well, so it's been done to death, but if it is poverty porn, it's, it's one thing cause that's in poor taste, but yeah. um, it, it's I feel like, yeah, yeah, when I, you, I feel like it's like how you, how you actually like, do it in a sense kind of like how we were talking earlier about like you yeah. know the guys that like just like shoot for like you know whatever tna just to get well, the, like it, the likes but like if you're yeah. shooting something for like awareness that's like a different situation mm-hmm. or just to well, bring more information and, and not only awareness but to like celebrate and honor these people and and make a memory for them so um a really great um sort of mini photo documentary that was created by uh, the Extraordinary Crew, uh, which is uh, this, this great couple from Texas. Um, they made a, a, an excellent Ilford video as well, too. So if, if you're on Instagram, uh, check out Explordinary. Um, they're a fantastic creative duo. Um, but they did this mini documentary for an art show that happened in L.A. a few years ago uh, for Film Photographic that was called Our City. I think it's on uh, Vimeo. Uh, but if you just Google like Our City video, mm. uh, it should come up. And uh, there's a photographer in there. Like there's a ton of photographers that were in in the gallery show and each of them had like sort of an interview snippet. Um, But one photographer that really stood out for me, um, who's someone that like I really deeply appreciate a lot for his work and the way he he captures things and and shares things is Eric Bouvet. And um, Eric uh, lives in like downtown LA and um, he took some beautiful photos of some of the more um, you know downtrodden parts of LA, but it took him years to get to the point where he actually brought a camera with him into those areas. So before he even started you know, taking photos there, he spent a considerable amount of time just like walking through those neighborhoods, meeting those people, bringing them things that they needed, like socks or like anything else like that. And he started building relationships with these people. And once he had relationships, then he would sort of like, you know, bring, bring the, the camera in. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't, <clears throat> it's, it's not like a poverty porn kind of thing where it's like, you know, he wants to take these photos of these uh, people that he's built these relationships with um, to like, sort of like, like treasure these people and stuff, which I found really cool. And, you know, I think like if you're taking photography in like a respective manner where you're not, trying to exploit someone or something to get those likes or to get like that boost of like, you know, whatever to feel good about it. Um, you know, all the more power to you on that. Yeah. And it really boils down to what your intention is. Right. You know, and I think one of the most powerful things that we can do as photographers and artists and Hey, hell, even just, you know, good human beings is, you know, one of the big, I think one of the constant fears or common fears that every person has is not being remembered, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and not being remembered 
comes down to one thing. You will be forgotten if you have not taken the time to build memories. And we have the ability to do that as photographers and artists and, um, you know, and, and not just, you know, showing some, you know, giving a homeless person $5 and saying, I'm, can I take your picture and here's five bucks to go buy yourself a pack of cigarettes or, you know, a beer or, or whatever, and then, and then be gone. But, you know, yeah. if you're willing to sit down with that human being, listen to their story, share a meal with them, you know, get to know them before you even think about taking their picture. Um, because how do you even know there's something, you know, that you want to take that person's picture before you even get to know them, you know, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's so we, we have, it's a simple choice, right. And it, it, you know, it's one of the, it's one of Gandhi's sayings that, you know, that I really drives everything that I, I like that I, I, well, I, I try to do, I'm not always successful, but I don't want to complain about, you know, how things are in the world or, um, uh, you know, blame my circumstance on someone else. You know, if I want the world to change, then I need to change. Mm-hmm. I need to be that change. I need to be the one that sits down with somebody to give them that memory, or at least to have a memory between the both of us, you know, because, hey, I might have a thousand memories, but somebody say living on the street that doesn't have anything uh, you know, positive going on in their life or hasn't had something positive in a long time. It's amazing what the power of words can be to another person that just needs someone to listen to them, you know, and, and we have the ability to do that. And, uh, you know, if we stop thinking about what we should be or what we could be and rather start thinking about who we are and where we are and what we are, in that moment and share that person, share ourselves with another human being, the world would be a hell of a lot better place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we have yeah. the ability to set that example. Everyone does bottom line and whatever your artistic vocation might be, you know, our art is born of interaction between people, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it comes from. And if we, we have that open and honest, uh, connection with people or at least have the ability to open ourselves up to it you want to become a better artist you want to become a better photographer be who you are don't be who you want to be or who you think you are yeah i I kind of like uh you know i i have a similar view but um it's surmised a lot simpler uh just don't be a dick yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's sort of like my, my take with it. But, you know, I, I think we can thank um, the puritanical underpinnings of the societal construct we live in today for all the things that are wrong with it right now. Like, um, you know, that, that there's so much stems from that where it's just like the sexualization of things is, is problematic. Like nudity does not constitute sexuality. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean like, just because someone's naked, that means like, you know, that's, yeah. yeah. And, and like, you know, that, that's a problematic thing where it's like, you know, that's mostly on men. It, it's a hundred percent on men on that one where like, you know, we need to unpro like deprogram ourselves from that. We need to challenge other males on that. Um, and, and also like, you know, it starts at kids. Like one of the cringiest things I could ever hear any parent, male or female say to their child that I just absolutely loathe hearing it is boys will be boys. 
Oh, you know, I just say congratulations on your young rapist there. He's going to yeah. do things. Well, I even heard that. Uh, I uh, This is like back in like middle school. And I, you know, targeted bullies. But again, yeah. like, the vice principal said, oh, yeah, boys will be boys. And it was just like. In, oh, in really? so you're giving you're giving them oh, yeah. a free pass. Well, yeah. And then, like one moment, you, you essentially just like said that like you completely dismissed what happened to the other person exactly. in that situation. And it's, and it's like, like well, why? Yeah, it's sort of like you're training like future white collar sociopath. <laughs> well, even even you remember the um, there was uh, either I think I guess he was a college swimmer destined for the U.S. Olympic team. Oh yeah, the, the oh, broad, yeah, yeah. that broad something guy. yeah yeah that you know raped. Uh, Rape that um, uh, young girl, but in front of dumpsters, you know, and it's just like the judge said, oh, boys will be boys. I, I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, you know? and that was like, oh, oh, Brock can't even enjoy steak anymore. It's like, yeah. cool. Well, this grown ass woman that he's yeah. ruined for life. Not traumatized. Light. Yeah, she, she needs to use it. Yeah. yeah. And like that was like, I don't know. I, I have sort of a very draconian view on that one where it's just like, if you feel you have the right to strip another human being of their base human rights you forfeit your own 100 yeah, percent exactly. no no questions on that yeah. one like there's there's no there's nothing redeemable about a person that can do that to another person like i can't understand or fathom doing that to another person so it's just like how do all like so many of these men and you just hear it you know, almost every day there's another story of like a predatory male photographer yeah. or like, you know, something that happened in someone's workplace. Every single woman that I know in my life has had some sort of sexual assault or molestation happen to them. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking inexcusable. Like, yeah. you know, like th- we, we need to be better than this by now. And it's shameful that we're not. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's we're we all play a part in it to, to do better and and i hope that that we can do better like you know it's i i think covid has helped in a way a lot for the 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 racial fight because i don't think that we would have paid as much attention to like what happened to george floyd and what's been happening from a racial perspective if we weren't all stuck at home watching the news because we didn't have daily life to be distracting us from that we we didn't have like the hustle and bustle of whatever like we were all stuck at home and we were all watching the same thing and there was no way to turn a blind eye to it and we need to start doing that with the war against women right now, because it's a literal war against women right now. Like, you know, the, the, the battle with reproductive rights, um, you know, the, the disparity in, in the workplace, like there's just so much bad shit that's going on against women that just needs to fucking end. Like, it's just, it's fucking embarrassing. It is. Yeah. It You're is preaching and, to you know, the choir here. And, Sorry, I, I kind of went off on a very big tangent from photography. There. <laughs> oh, you know, nothing wrong with that. What, nothing there, wrong with that. It's like this is the part of the thing with these sort of conversations with the photographer. I say, film photographers in the community. It's sort of like a. It sort of fills out what's pers- the person's thought process behind their work, and we're and we've got a rather intimate view of what you've been up to and how you see the universe unfold before your eyes 
and I'm just looking at the time and it's like, Oh my God, this is going to be one bruiser of an episode. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, it, it is, it, we are running a bit late here and I, I should probably get back to packing cause I've got, uh, well, before, a very before, early morning. I think before we wrap things up, since you are, uh, you, you started with an F80, then found an F100, then an F5. Will there be an F6 in your universe at some point? Do it, man. I have so, one. See, I, this, this is how the gas it just continues, by the way. So I don't think the F6 is a true like successor to the F5. You could fight me about it. But I think <laughs> the look on James' face. So, I'm sorry. Okay, what we'll do is we'll no, so, so, <laughs> so I think that the F6 is actually the successor to the F100. Uh, yes, I would agree with you on that. I would it, say yeah, so. Would the the F6 really should be the F200 because it is not a true F camera. It doesn't have a removable prism. It, it it doesn't have like you know, the built-in in motor drive like the the F4 and the F5s yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. It, it just doesn't feel quite the same as the, so. Like I think the F5 was the last F camera, honestly. Here, here's uh, and, the successor to the F6, F5. Yeah, and so that, that, that is that is that is badass. And like ever since I saw Alex's, I've kind of wanted one. Well, but, you want one. Um, I'm telling you, you want one. But well, so I'm kind of stepping away from small film right now. Um, uh, I, I'm leaning more towards a large format. So um, the the main camera that I do a lot of work with now um, is like my Wista four by five. Awesome, and nice. um, I'm going to be picking up an Intrepid 8x10 soon as well, too, um, and doing more, like, leaning more towards the large format side of things. Yes. And um, uh, I picked up a Polaroid processor um, for 8x10 uh, to start playing with that. And then I'm getting some film from uh, Rod, who is a fantastic resource for uh, instant film stuff, Diary of a Film Waster on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's a fantastic guy. Um, and uh yeah like that's yeah like i I don't know if an f6 will be like if the if it comes at the right price so like i can't just like it's it's also like i'd love a leica one day but i don't want to spend leica money um because it's so much film yeah and like i I don't know where it is but like i got a zorky s recently that i it it almost makes me want to buy a Leica because I'm like, okay, I dig this now. Like I can see what, what this is all I just, about. I, I would look at the alternatives. I'd look at a Canon P. Canon yeah, that's Canon. fair. Yeah. And they're great systems and you can probably crap for a Leica Sumacron 50 F2 lens. You have a, like a, a, a camera and a really decent lens and a pile of film to go through. Well, okay. I'm, I'm going to admit something kind of silly here the only reason that i do want to buy a leica one day is that whenever the new world opens up and we're allowed to like hug and touch each other and stuff like that again in public places um i would really like to uh have some sort of gallery show at one of the leica galleries Galleries, and the only way that you can do that is if you shoot with a leica so um you know it's it's on the to do list, and uh, Alan Evans, who's who's a great friend and the GM of the Leica store in Boston, uh, will likely be the guy that takes my money when I'm ready to do that. There you go. There you go. 
And I think it's probably a point uh, where we should wrap this up because it's getting near our bedtimes. Uh, for those who are wondering, yeah, we're recording this after dinner. Tell us where we can find you, Merlin, online. Yeah, so um, in, the, in the internet ether. In the internet ether. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Merlin DB. Uh, so M E R L I N D B, um, or my website, uh, which is woefully, uh, long requiring an update, uh, www.mdb1.com. So the number one.com. Um, yeah, you can find me there. That's also where a lot of the, so I, I post like the archives of the video of photography mm -hmm. chats on there. Okay. Um, but you can also find Photography Chat if you just like search Photography Chat with Merlin on any of the podcasting platforms, you can come across it there. And if you want to be on a chat, send me an email, a DM, carrier pigeon, uh, you know, teletype, whatever. Um, I'd love to talk with other people. Oh, oh crap. You got also, and if you're not, if you're not, candidates right here, you know, <laughs> say like, yeah, yeah we're already here, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, Chrissy, we've already talked about yeah, it. Yeah, so we, we, we're we're going to get you on there. <laughs> Um, and then also like, you know, big, big plug for the Northern Film Collective. Um, you know, I, I can't I cannot um, recommend the Northern, for those who are interested in the Canadian film photography experience, check that hashtag out. They've, they've had an anthology out that I'm impressed. Becca put it all together herself. Be Becca did an amazing job with it. So <laughs> that um, would break lesser mortals. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I mean, like that, she learned InDesign and did that all on her own. Like it was like freaking amazing. Um, you know, I, all I did was um, pack shipments. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that, that was my job was to you're, be you're a, the a proverbial, I carried the mic stand into the club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah like sure, you know, but... check out the Northern Film Collective. Cause like, I mean, back like when we were talking about communities early, earlier, and that was like the main reason why, uh, Becca started the Northern Film Collective was when you look at all of these reposting pages out there um, up until Becca started Northern Film Collective and then Pete does whatever he does um, there was nothing focusing on Canadian content and so that was like the main push for that and then the idea around the volumes is just like you know it's a year it's like a yearbook so every yeah. year there's going to be like this yearbook of fantastic Canadian photographers and um, you know, I don't think there's too many other reposting pages that are doing that kind of stuff where they're taking those people's photos and actually fostering a relationship with them, which is kind of an interesting thing. Cause I think a lot of these reposting sites are literally just like taking people's content and hashtagging it and putting it out there. Yeah. And that's about it. Um, you know, it, it's cool what Becca has done uh, where she's like, you know, wanting to support and promote these people. Cause like, there's a very good chance that like, this could be possibly the the one time someone's work gets published, or this could be like the launching point where they're like, you know what, this is cool to see a book. I'm going to make my own or like, you know, I want to like do my own kind of project. So it's been a real honor um, to be part of this adventure. And I'm like, you know, truly grateful that, that Becca invited me to, to be part of it. So definitely check out Northern film collective on Instagram. If you have, are not following them yet. And thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure having a chat with you. It's been one of those, I've been sort of looking forward to this for sort of when I first approached it, yeah, we got to have Merlin on because we've, again, it's like that sort of six degrees of Merlin. Uh, <laughs> Are we Kevin Bacon, just six degrees of Merlin now? Yeah, yeah six degrees of Merlin. Forget Kevin Bacon. He's like, even though you said you're more like, everywhere. Even though you kind of said you're more like Nicolas Cage, but 
Well, so uh, I I like Nicolas Cage more than I like Kevin Bacon. So yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just like uh, yeah, the shame. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah, Nick Cage is the right balance of campy and talent. You know, like it's yeah. Just, like we tried. wait sorry you said talent and nicholas cage in the same sentence there you know uh, okay fine um <laughs> yeah i'm sure he's never yeah. listening to this right now but yeah. like you know i'm sorry it's all nicholas cage listens to what are you talking How about, about morbid like curiosity well hey okay look you leaving las vegas yeah i mean hey nick cage if you're listening probably stand to win the next time you go to steal the declaration of independence i want to take pictures Okay. Champion talent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on that talent. note. Yeah. And on that note, it's Bill Smith saying, "Stay cool and shoot tons of film." Uh, it's James Lee. Thank you so much, Merlin. Um, thank you for just being you, man. That that's amazing. And uh, to quote your your genius, uh, quote unquote proverb like saying, "Hey, go shoot film and don't be a dick." Uh, it's Chris signing off. Merlin, always a pleasure chatting with you. I'm sure we're going to keep chatting. Uh, I'll slide into your DMs, as they say, as the cool kids say. And uh, see y'all later, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I can't help but do this, but I'm Merlin, and do 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 Yeah! <laughs> shout out to Nardwar. Who doesn't love Nardwar? Come on! <laughs> I heard it coming. He's like, oh no. <laughs> do All I right, do it? Thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>